restaurants like a, like a Burger King or a McDonald's they usually they're the owner but they also usually work there isn't that wild yeah totally I mean that's a, every business yeah I own a record label and a festival and I work at it uh, that's a you good saw point. me during Freak Out Fest yeah you're the you're the first person I saw running around like a crazy person yeah. yeah I work harder than anybody there all weekend yeah you got an interesting face I think that's I was like literally I arrived I was expecting to see a friend first, and I saw you first, and I hadn't even met you, and I was like, that's a guy. Mm. Yeah, I was freaking out, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like running around, hair in the, blown in the breeze. Yeah. You know? Mm. So this is the NAS podcast, uh, and today my guest is the one and only, it's Keltner, you said? Yeah. That sounds like Irish. Mm. Is it? Yeah, it's German. Oh, that's close. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. It's German. My mom's Mexican, actually. Oh. But my dad was... You know, white dude. Okay. And you are the owner of Freak Out Records. And is it, is it the right word frontman? I don't know what the right word for the lead person in a band. Are you your lead singer? Yeah, I guess the frontman. I, I, I am Acid Tongue. Okay. You know. So when did you become Acid Tongue? Was it you took some acid and you're like, <laughs> no. shit, I need a band now. Um, it's, it's, it's been almost seven years. Damn. It's been a while. How old are you? Like thirty or something? Like Thirty-four. That? I just oh turned God. thirty-four last month. Wow. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. I um was working for a nightclub in town. Okay. Numos mm-hmm. that we talked about, and I was also in another band that did really nasty garage rock. Is that the one that was on KXP? Uh yeah. I saw the law. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I watched it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I was kind of bored with everything. And I was also writing pop, you know, songs that are still rock and roll, but like yeah. pop songs. And the, the other band I was in was very much, you know, blues, pentatonic shit. Mm. <laughs> and got fed up with it. So I met Ian. He was He's about five years younger than me. So back then, you know, he was in very early 20s and he had just had a son. Mm and was didn't, just didn't know what to do in his life either. And so we put out this EP and it was this like really awesome summer where KXP played the shit out of it. Yeah. And for us, that that meant everything. And, you know, I got had been so burnt out on touring with the other band, but had made some connections in Europe. So I started traveling out there more and recorded another EP in London. Nice. And that did all right too at least as far as, you know, us getting some opportunities to play festivals and tour more. So when you make an album and EP in London, do you, like, promote it in London, or do you promote it back here? or where? We were on a label in England, like a little niche 
mm. kind of punk rock label called Failure by Design. Nice. My previous band had been on it. Okay. So, like I said, you know, I'd been touring with them a bit, and we had just started coming out to Europe because of that KXP pod, uh, Got it. Uh, live session that you uh, you checked out. So that yanked us out there, and I just fell in love with traveling in Europe and touring out there and playing with some of the musicians that yeah. I, because of Ian having a kid, like a newborn, he had to stay home a lot. He couldn't mm. tour. So we would work on the records together in Seattle and on Portland. And then I would travel with whoever I could pull together, whether that was Ian or, you know, subs and have had i don't know probably like 40 or 50 members in the last that's six why, or seven years do you like be vet these people i'm guessing it's not like you're just finding yeah no these the are these are people we know really well <laughs> but that was a lot of fun for me like yeah. to, to be able to do an ep in seattle and then to fuck off yeah. and and just go i didn't have a place to live at that i i got rid of my house in seattle when we started this band and i realized i was like i'm gonna tour with this and just do this for a while wow. and because I had been on the road so much with the previous band and with this, my the bosses at Nemo's were like, dude, we're laying you off. Like, mm. you know, here's some money for severance. Go do your thing for a bit, figure it out. Like, and that's what happened. Like I like I hit the road and then I came back to the States after being gone for maybe four or five months and was in New York City and just realized like I had to live there for a bit. So I Damn, that's cool. I did a show out there and just got a lease and stayed for three years. Off the show? Not because of that show. I think it's because of the friends that were at that show. Okay. And I had been in New York a lot. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd been traveling out there, and I think it might have even been the second or third time I came through with Acid Tongue. I, I can't remember which, but we had, we had only been a band for less than a year. Hmm. And I I just knew I needed to get out of Seattle and not look so inward. I think it's easy to get trapped in a bubble out here. And the whole point, at least a lot of the decisions we made when we started this band were to try and defy that and not do the Seattle bubble. Yeah. I didn't want to sound like a band from Seattle. I want to sound like a, a good band. You from know? England. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and even that was just <laughs> me and one other guy that did it in England. And that was a lot of fun. Like I stayed at his folks place with them. Wow. And we just spent like a week straight, you know, getting up around 10 or 11 in the morning, you know, having a long breakfast and then working all day for 10, 12 hours on on that. Damn. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and that's just, you know, kind of where the direction went from there, you know, like was just to travel and be like a band that sort of made our name on the road and made and, and developed the sound on the road. So it shifts from record to record because I'm sort of immersed with different players and traveling different places, and I'm trying to capture some of that electricity. Yeah. So when you were in high school and like thinking about like your future career, did you want to be in a band, or did you, did you go to college ever? Or? I went to UW. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What did you do at UW? I got a degree in economics. What, what can you do with that? I guess I can run a record label with it. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, and the festival. So I did something with it, I suppose. That's wild. So how, for, how did you even get connected with, like, so first of all, would you say, like, the music industry is, like, all about connections then? Because it seems like yeah. 
Absolutely. That's where you, you made all these connections and that's what helped you. But it's also having some get up and go because yeah. like, you know, we smoke so much pot. <laughs> and we get so drunk and you know, do all these like just musicians in general unreliable. Yeah. So if you have a little bit more oomph to what you're doing, it's not that hard to get ahead. It's hard to be good. And it's hard to have, I suppose, the type of purpose that is going to translate to a wider audience, mm. you know, to go in to something motivated, but also have the direction it's going to take. That's tough. Then I'm how not, did you find that for you then? I've worked in the industry for a long time. Mm. I think I started when I was like 24 or 25 working at the club. And that was, you know, I was leaving from an advertising agency before that. Oh. So a lot of what you're doing there is trying to broaden the audience of a brand. And I didn't go into music ever thinking that, that way. Music was first. I, I've been doing that since I was a little kid. But I need to make money and I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I care. So when I'm in the studio, you know, none of that shit comes into my head. But as soon as I'm kind of have the product in my hand, I got to figure out what to do with it. And that's the toughest part. Right. I think that's what traps bands in Seattle and anywhere, honestly. Marketing? You you know, you got so many bands that are super talented, but they don't know what to do with the product. So they just dump it onto Bandcamp, you know, right out. And that's not a problem if you dump it right after you record it, but like who's listening to that? How do you get attention? You have to have a narrative to what you're doing. And I think I realized that I, I needed to develop a more interesting narrative than just some fucking band from Seattle, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I started going on the road to have, you know, a story to tell. Mm. That's what changes. Yeah, that makes sense. So so you were part of the music scene here in Seattle before you... Oh, everyone absolutely. On the road? Fully, okay. fully immersed in the music scene here. And what was that like? Because I've, I've heard like the rap perspective. But what was like the band perspective? I mean, I was involved with the rap scene. I was okay. presenting shows in town before I left. So what, I left, I left in 2015, and that was the year we started the band. Okay. Um, before that, you know, I went to college here. I started Fox and the Law in college. I figured out touring, which is hard in itself. I think when you're in your early 20s, you're like, how do I rent a car? Yeah. How do I book shows outside of my hometown? You know, that took a few years. And how do you do that first, actually? Back then, it was probably fucking MySpace or Facebook or something. You know what I mean? Like, who yeah. knows? Um, but just talking to people, you know, and knowing a band or you meet somebody or, you know, I'm lucky I have family. I'm from Los Angeles, our, okay. fa- our family. So, you know, I was able to travel the coast a bit and, and go and I have family in San Francisco and that's where I was born. And so there's at least a little bit of like interaction with other cities and and music scenes by doing you know going to see my family going to shows yeah um but you know that took a few years and i and i was working just jobs because i went to school for economics i felt you know my mom's side of the family i think i was one of the first generation to graduate from a university congrats so that was important you know, and and that's kind of why I, I stuck to working, you know, suit and tie gigs for a few years after college before I realized, like, fuck this, like, I have to do music full time. Hmm. I tried my best 
at the desk. And that was cool. It gave me some habits and some skills that I apply now to running the festival and running the label. And I got a better understanding of, you know, how an audience works, not just for music, yeah. but for any sort of brand. And that has been amazing to apply to what I do now because I can still have these very serious emotional moments with my songs, very personal moments to give birth to these things. But then I have, you know, I guess the ability to develop some sort of platform. And that's, you know, what the what Freak Out is all about. That's what everything I'm doing these days is all about. Do you think artists should go to school then and work these nine to five jobs? Or? I don't I don't know if I can recommend school if if it's not your thing, you know. Mm. It wasn't my thing. I tried to drop out mm. and my family very much got involved and said, You can't do that. Like, please don't. Damn. My grandparents were calling me and, you know, I had like aunts and uncles texting me like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, did they not like your music? Like how long did it take? I think them to there was a moment where, you know, before it got to where it's at now, where you know, even my mom sat me down. She's like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> and that's because, it, you know, it doesn't mean it was good. It was probably was some of it was shit. Yeah. But on the flip side, you know, there are songs that have like a million plus plays online now that you know, one of them I wrote when I was like 15, like the the pieces of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not like I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. I just, again, you didn't, I didn't have that image together. So it's tough, you know? Now my mom sees it all and she's like, holy shit, this makes sense. Yeah. You know, I just didn't know how to present it to the audience, including your family, including your friends. You kind know? of market to My friends family. thought it was fucking weird, you know? There wow. was shows where my friends were like, dude, what the fuck is he doing? It takes a long time, you know? And not everyone's always going to like it either. I still have family and friends that just don't get it, mm. you know, and never will, and that's okay. So you go, wait, before I get into that, actually, how do you, so how would you describe the, the music scene then when, in, when you're coming up in like 2015? Like, do you think at it... that point it was starting to disintegrate because okay. previous to that rent was a lot cheaper and it had been fucking skyrocketing for years. That's what kicked us out of town. Like the reason I picked New York City was honestly like I had this thought popping in my head of like I'm spending this much to live in my hometown. I'm going to go live in Brooklyn. Mm. It was it was a little more expensive, but not not that much and honestly there were things about it that were cheaper i didn't have to own a car anymore you know i didn't have to do certain things and so you know i think the music scene was really like amazing when i was in college and i was obsessed with what was going on i mean that was the era of like fleet foxes the shins you know what i mean <laughs> like the northwest was doing cool shit in the 2000s so do you think rent so I don't know if I really agree with it, but like I feel like a lot of people blame certain situations, not even just like Seattle, but like music scenes on like gentrification and gentrification being the reason for things increasing and that can like ruin like a scene. Whether Yeah, that's, you, that's you, a bit of it. And that's, you know, we were talking earlier about the tech companies coming in and expanding yeah. and they just, what happens is the routine of working for a place like that can dilute culture in a city in a big way because 
You ever watch those old like Looney Tunes cartoons where they're playing these like da 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 and they're showing like the factory. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's walking in and out and they're all in the same suit and tie and they're doing this. Like everybody goes in, they have breakfast, you know, in their hand and it's like a fucking pastry and their coffee and they sit down and they work for six hours and then they go to lunch together and they eat it, you know, Chipotle yeah. or some shit. <laughs> and then they come back in and they're ordering shit online and they're reading Vice and then they go home and they watch Netflix or they play their Xbox One and everything's really catered to them. So it doesn't encourage people to get outside of their comfort zone. Mm. And, and you know, this is a big philosophy of why I'm trying to bring music you know, from some of these international bands into town right now is to wake people up because when I was in college, you know, that wasn't, that was where things were going, but there was still a, a desire to try and experiment with music and people were really supportive of a different type of scene back then. Mm. People interacted differently. And I think it's just changed slowly over the years, you know, and our interactions have become predominantly online. But what makes a music scene, by the way? Does it is it like the audience that's going to the shows, or is it the artists? It's both. It's it's <clears throat> it's yin and yang. Okay. You have to have an enthusiastic audience. You also have to have people that play together and like each other. And I think there needs to be some level of inspiration happening between people. And I don't mean that in like you know, an inspirational speaker per se, but just, the, you know, when you hang out with the right group of friends and everyone's laughing and everyone's having a good time. And there was a golden era there of, I mean, what am I talking about? Like, even then I was unhappy <laughs> yeah. with, with living here yeah. at times because it had drifted more folky, you know, that really was like Fleet Foxes was a great example of what the sound was like in Seattle, probably 2006, 2007. Like, you know, everybody was hanging out in Ballard growing their beards, wearing flannel, mm. you know. I think the hip-hop scene was doing way more interesting shit back then. And I just got bored of that, so we started making rock music and playing house shows all the time. And that was a lot of fun, and that was a scene, you mm. know. And it was just college kids going to house shows and having, you know, buying a keg. And back then, a lot more of us could live in a house. You know, that's the other thing. We didn't used to have to rent just the basement of the house or just the middle floor you know <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, yeah. it it used to be like cheap enough that we could all kind of four of us could have a, you know each have a room and and maybe spend 350 bucks 400 bucks a month mm. to live in ravenna you know to live in some of these places and that's what creates a scene because suddenly you have this big ass house you know maybe it's on this busy corner next to a gas station so that you can make noise and 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 do something but then you you know you cram a bunch of employees into amazon they rip that fucking house down and now there's 20 apartments there and you got two neighbors next door they got to get up you know at 6 a.m to go fucking slog it off you know work the next day but they still want i'd i'd say they still want entertainment they yeah still but they fucking out. call in noise complaints okay you know these people move into communities that you know are known for their culture yeah and they fucking ruin them. It's happening everywhere, though. It happens in Paris. Was that just you know? for? Are you talking about house shows or just like entertainment? I'm just, just talking like... about entertainment in general. That Whoa. is that is for house shows too. Okay. But I have a disdain for somebody that has no history in a place, okay, and has the balls to call the police. You know, on the on, like I'm getting mad about it because this is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, isn't and it's not the only thing. Right. 
But it's this it's this thing where you choose like, oh, I'm going to go out to the bars there on the weekend. But, you know, if someone next door is like having an after party, hmm. I'm going to call the cops on them. You know, I'm going to call the noise complaint. I'm going to be, be an asshole to them. Right. That's culture right there. I mean, that may not seem like culture to you, but like if, you know, three musicians in Seattle end up doing cocaine together at an apartment <laughs> and a cool song comes out of it, that's creating culture. You know, I know yeah. that sounds cheapened. But that's what that is, you know? So when you make it more difficult to enjoy yourself in a community, when you make it more difficult to do the things you want to do, and when it becomes so focused on just trying to make the rent and trying to work, that's going to diminish culture. So how do you change that? Did I say that or that? It's tough to say. Like, I'm trying to do it by connecting people. Like you said, it's, it is who you know. And yeah. like, I think... I want to, I mean, half of it is like, I don't, I don't want to like over, overestimate my influence musically. So yeah, like half of it is just, I want to make great music. That's, that's influencing culture itself, mm -hmm. you know, making good music, thinking about the songs you write, not being lazy with the songs you write. I'm not writing songs just to write a song and, and be hip with it. You know, like I don't just go in the studio and say, let's fucking just do this thing. Like I, I have a passion for it, you know? I believe in it. You know, I think of, I, you know, I, have, I have a good idea for something. I get excited about it. Yeah. So that's that's a big part of it is to have enthusiasm for what you do and not just do it because it's stylish. Okay. Um, but the other half of it is you have to kind of give people a space to be weird and to do weird things and to be, you know, their true self, their, their whatever self they need to be to inspire others. And I think... You know, I've that's why I started throwing shows. That's why the whole festival thing came about was that I felt there was a lack of that sort of thing happening in town. And I said, you know, there's not enough rock and roll happening. I go to like some of the bigger festivals and you know, I love hip hop. I love I love dance music. Like I don't have a problem with that, but I still want to go to a rock festival sometimes, you know? And it just wasn't happening enough. You yeah. get a few like niche rock acts on there, you know, sometimes like you look at every festival and you've got, okay, there's going to be like one hipsters with like weird pedals and their guitars looking down at their feet band. And then there's going to be another band that's like seven to 10 people. And that's the reason they got booked is there's so many of them that it's entertaining to walk. Okay, that's cool. Okay, King Gizzard is a great example of a band that just that was their thing, you know. Polyphonics were used to do that back in the day. There's just, okay, there's like a big, you know, the Flaming Lips are known for that. There's, oh man, they've got so many people mm -hmm. when they play, they're amazing live, you know. Um, there's there's bands that, you know, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a whole shtick, you know, they're doing. Yeah. But I also just wanted to see, you know, what happened to having a rock festival, you know, like that really the only one that's been happening for the last 15 years or so is Austin Psych Fest, which is now Levitation. And that that was one of the early things that inspired me. I don't even I, hear about new rock songs. There's definitely new music coming out, but it never like, yeah. even crosses my radar. You got to look for it. That's wild. So I wanted to make that happen. Mm. And that's that's where all this comes from. You know, I wanted to so I create rock music with Acid Tongue. And now with that new project I have, Mala Suerte, it's even more like... Wait, what's Mala Suerte? Mala Suerte is... Um, Suerte. I just butchered it. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it means bad luck okay. in Spanish. It's it's me and this guy, Ryan, local guy um, from the Grizzled Mighty. Okay. 
that's his project. It's another rock band out here. And we have some close buds in Mexico City, this couple, um, Desmina and her husband, Miguel. And they're in the punk scene down there. And they run a festival as well called Monkey Bee. Dope. And Monkey Bee Festival is awesome. It's garage and psych and punk bands. And we started a band during COVID. And I wrote a bunch of kind of the structures of songs and the chorus melodies and things. And I sent it to them. And we started bouncing back and forth between Mexico and Seattle. We've known each other. We've all played together for years. So it's not like we didn't have chemistry already. Mm Mm-hmm. Were they in Seattle? Yasmina plays in, um, she plays in Asatang. It's a keyboard player sometimes. Okay. Was she, were they originally from Seattle? Like, how'd you no, meet no, no, no. They're Mexican. They're, but, they live down there. But how'd you meet people in Mexico City? Um, Just connections. My <laughs> mom's family. My mom has family there. Okay. And then, but that's not how I met the two of them, actually. I, I met Yasmina first before they were married. She stayed with me in New York City. Oh, that sounds um, fun. Yeah, she was visiting with a friend of hers. Okay. And so... You know, we have history. We start touring together. I meet her husband. He's amazing. And he's a real front man. Uh, and he plays in a band called Carry On Kids. Okay. That was at the festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays in Los Honey Rockets. So they were both performing during Freak Out this year. And we started this new project, at, mainly because we were all at home and yeah. talking anyways. We talk all the time. But that probably adds inspiration to other projects here and then, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's it. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to do things that aren't happening. Yeah. You know, like, this isn't happening right now. How do you make a record label even, actually? Like, that's, when I think of record labels, I think of, like, in Seattle, I think of, like, Sub Pop, and I don't even know what else. Out of your apartment, you know, that's how you make one. Okay. Put your credit card down and buy a bunch of vinyl for bands and hope that it doesn't blow up in your face. Mm -hmm. No, we got a business license, actually. So we, we started the thing properly i have a business partner in that this guy skyler he he works over at kxp mm. and another connection yeah but <laughs> that's not really he got that job i think after we started the label okay we we knew each other when i was working at the the venue he uh he ran a festival already called hypnoticon mm. and i got linked up to him i was trying to put hypnoticon at the venue i was working at didn't work out, but I said, you know, I like this guy and I, I trust this person and I would really like to keep working with him. So I invited him to get involved with Freak Out because at that point it was already in its third year. Yeah. And he, it was a dream. Like that. I think once him and my drummer Ian got involved with the festival, we realized like, oh, like this is a lot better when we're all working together. And that's when we like, incorporated freak out as like a business i think before that it was just a bunch of people oh so it was a festival before it was even a label yeah okay yeah that's right i thought it was a label and to celebrate the label you created a festival yeah that's what it comes off to to people but honestly it was a reverse (laughs) the festival started i I, right when i started at numos i i was working with capitol hill block party okay and i saw what they were doing so i had a little bit of knowledge of how a mainstream event goes down like that do you need like money to create a like what do you what are the steps besides you know booking people to make a festival like yeah as you a have local to have money yeah. so as a local artist you have so to ask people for money at least. do you need to like 
for you like did you have to like build up a reputation at like venues and like performing for them for to like put on your own to make your own like a festival bit. yeah i had to know the the booker the talent buyers at each venue and i had to know the owners of a lot of places and but could someone come out of nowhere and just have like a ton of money and just create a festival? It's usually shit when they do that. Yeah, people come out of nowhere all the time and try to do that, and it's terrible. But it's because you don't have culture or what? I mean, yeah, money doesn't do it. Right. I do this on a shoestring budget, and it's a lot cooler than a lot of events with more money. Yeah. You know, I we have nothing. Like, we still have nothing. Right. That's but what it's, was... it's fucking awesome. We're still getting more press than some of the events that have fucking money so i guess it's not money you know it's the community you've built it's community it's curating something interesting and not just what's look you can't go on spotify and say hey that's the top 40 i'm gonna get billion dollar you know investor to come in and we'll book the top 40 artists like people fucking know that already they can go to coachella to see that they can go to bonnaroo and see that right they come to freak out because it's going to be something fucking different so, but but what is that different? I'm not just like calling up friends. Like it's not all nepotism either. It's I listen to the music, you know. Yeah. yeah. You had an experience at it, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that was great. I had a great. But time. like it, it's conducting. You know, it's it's really fusing together a lot of things. You know, I'm 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 pulling from every skill I have to make all these things happen. So then, people need to go to school then. Maybe, right? If you, you learn some of that stuff in school and then you learn the stuff you learn in school got you into jobs that like help push your music yeah, forward. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But not everybody does because right. everybody's path is different. Yeah. I'm not and there are school. people yeah, there you go. And there's people that like I work with that didn't go to school that I think are fantastic. At what though? Like do you, like business? Depends. Yeah, business for sure. Some people. Like some people. there are plenty of people that have a brilliant business acumen and did not go to college, you know, didn't even finish high school, you know. Yeah. But like artists artists need in this day and age, they need to know how to market themselves yes. and be a business. Like artists should be taking notes and artists should always be studying. I mean, just because you're not going to school doesn't mean you shouldn't be studying. Right. You always have to be studying. Yeah. It takes a lot to be the best at what you do. And not, I'm not even saying I'm the best at what I do. I'm just saying I, I, I strive to be the best at what I do. And that's the important part. Because even just to strive to be the best means you got to put in a lot of work. It's what I was talking about before. Like, I'm still tire, like tireless about researching everything, you know? I'm always aware of like what venue's opening, what's closing, just in my hometown. But I also have a beat on Mexico City because we're doing events there. Yeah. And I have, you know, a line out to LA. So I'm, 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 so there's always the communication factor of trying to know what's going on. But then there's just studying your craft, you know? Do you still sit and play guitar for hours a day? Like, you, you can't lose track of doing that. Right. Just because you put out a couple good records doesn't give you an excuse to not play. You know, you obviously are entitled to a break when you're working a lot, but I'm always playing, you know, I'm always on top of it. I don't, I don't miss a beat because you don't have time to do that. When you stumble, you stumble pretty hard in this industry. Yeah. So do you stay in Seattle for the community or why do you stay in Seattle? Definitely. Like, okay. I feel like the fact that so many folks have been pushed out of here financially speaking, you know, housing wise, et cetera, like that has left a, a void for culture. And, you know, I'm railing against the techies and stuff, <laughs> but I'm also there. They do want to see shit. Yeah. You know, 
those motherfuckers want to pay to go see a show and now all of a sudden we should put them on the show right they've yeah right <laughs> fuck that so they've 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 pushed everybody out unknowingly and now there's nobody left to perform for them right so they're not going to pay to watch weekend warriors all the time yeah. you know yeah and there still needs to be something happening and there also needs to be people here fighting to keep things alive you know and i felt like you know i did a few years in new york i met my wife i did a year in paris with her and i i started to notice it's the same everywhere but here i i have the foundation of having the label mm -hmm. i had you know the festival and i had been commuting home you know like taking these long flights to come back and be wrecked and do the festival for a few years I mean, four, four or five years of me being abroad and coming back to do meetings and to do events and like i was like you know what i think i just I was able to talk my wife into it too, and she loves Seattle, so it yeah. wasn't a huge issue. Wait, so you moved her from Paris, basically? Yeah, she had to leave France to come here. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that was 2019. Wow. We did the festival together. That We hadn't even found a place to live when we did the, the 2019 fest at the end of the year, and yeah. then fucking COVID hit. Yeah, COVID's <laughs> been a bitch. So I, mean, I just moved back, and then COVID happened. That's wild. I man. was only home for three and a half months when we got locked down. That's wild. Mm -hmm. I think my biggest thing right now, at least, is figuring out like demographic stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So, in uh, twenty fifteen, would you say the demographic, like people going to shows, were they actual fans or were they still like artists? Because people going to shows now that I see are usually just other artists. And it's then, always been a bit like that. Okay, it's always been a bit like that. It's not like there was some golden age where like everybody in the city just went out to shows every night yeah it was magical you know it's always been tough to get people to come to a show but it's because you're local because i feel like if if there was like a lineup of like an a-list artist every single night there would be at least one person that's going to all those shows in seattle totally yeah you know i don't know how to describe where community engagement is at mm. like that's a tough thing to to, to quantify yeah, I don't know every person in town. I will say Seattle's always been a, a tough nut to crack. The audiences can be stiff. Yeah. They're introverts, you know? So that's not like it's gotten any better or worse that much. However, I think some of the transplants that come here don't come here to go and party and see music, <laughs> you know? And when they do go out to party, it's like nightclub, bottle service, that sort of partying, yeah. DJ. You know, and that's tough. You know, how do you make that person go see, you know, a funk band? What I've learned from tech people so far is I think they like more for up and coming artists, even if they're known throughout like the artist community. If they don't know the artist, they need to feel connected through, for tech at least, it seems like I make a lot of generalizations, but. A lot of people coming into tech are like Indians, right? And a lot of them are into like pop music or mm -hmm. mainstream music. So when I was talking to the guy the other day, he was saying like, he doesn't have to know this artist, but if it's something that he can relate to, that's more poppy or mainstream and not too, like sometimes they like experimental music, but they like a certain thing. Mm. So, but also they like going to, like he was saying, He'd rather go see an up and coming artist at like a so far show versus like a Numa show because it's more intimate. 
Yeah, I guess that's kind of what the angle I took. No, because I know that intimately. You know, I worked mm-hmm. at a tech company, and you're right. There's a lot of Indian folks coming out to this region. Yeah, and folks from Asia, and it's cool. I think that's cool too. There's like there's a double edged sword with that, you know, where there's you have transplants that don't know the culture of what they're coming. That don't always want to engage with it, but I mean, what culture do we fucking have here, too? Yeah. You know, and so I I do think that there's something to be said for the tastes, but also you have to expose people, and that's like so far has built a brand, being an, a platform for exposure. Yeah, and that's what Freakout has been all about. Yeah. And so I like the fact that now that you know some of the techies are starting to recognize Freakout, they don't care who's playing. Yeah. If they see we're presenting a show, or if they read our mailer, or if they you know follow the social media, they come out just wanting to try something out, which means it was just great, you know that that that's that's where the brand is getting at this point that we're we're selling out events on the strength of being the presenter, not on the strength of the music we're doing there. You know, so it takes time no matter what though, like. But people have to trust it too because yeah. it means they've come out a few times. Mm. You know, and yeah, it does take a lot of time. Like, you know, in the beginning, it was us convincing all of our friends. You know, we had one, the for the core group in the beginning, one of the guys is an engineer that worked for Sound Transit. One of the guys worked for Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, I at the time was working for Numos. And then the other guy was an old coworker of mine from the tech company I had worked at. Yeah. So obviously two tech, three, you know, consider me one. Yeah. And then a, an engineer. Yeah. So we knew how to talk to those people and we knew how to kind of deal with the antisocial friends of ours and and the people in the community so we were already reaching out to a different side because i didn't start freak out fest with musicians i started it with three people who are patrons of the arts you know but mostly just some of my best friends yeah and that was a decision made because they were the ones that could be responsible enough to get the job done that's that's what it was all about, you know. They were responsible with trying to get people out. They were responsible with making sure the bands got paid. They were responsible with making sure the venues got coordinated correctly. Like that was important. And I got that there needed to be some adults in the room to make the party happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's cuz I want to focus on like live shows this year. But then you have to worry about COVID too. There's mm-hmm. so many things I want to put into action this year. So I feel like January, it's almost, can you believe January is almost up already? That sucks. Yeah. It's only halfway through though. Yeah. You got time. It's what, the 15th today? Yeah. You're fine. I think January is my, like I, you, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize, you're the first guest of 2022. Of 2022? Hell yeah, man. All right. Cheers to that. Cheers to that, you know. Is it the 15th? Yeah. Oh my God. There we go. It's the 15th. Okay. See, now you're now you're getting it. <laughs> I'm going to Peru next month with Mala Suerte. Okay. You perform, I'm guessing if you're going to the band, I'm guessing you're obviously performing in Peru. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be probably one of the biggest shows I've ever played. What the? There's, um, and it's for a band that nobody knows about. <laughs> um, you know, we're going to put our record out in March with this new band. And okay. so we were all kind of reaching out to some of the connections we have and... Miguel got a call from Papi Psychos, who is the front man of Los Psychos, uh-huh. which are a very famous garage act from Peru from the 60s. And, you know, he's in his, he's, he's like 70 something now mm. and doesn't want to do this forever. So he's going to retire after this year. And wow. I guess there's a big 
ceremony in Peru dedicating like a mural to Los Psychos. Holy shit. So they're doing like a festival for Los Psychos. I mean, there's like a legendary band. I mean, especially like in Latin America, everybody covers Demolición. Damn. It's like their like signature song. And it's like this very covered tune from the 60s. And <clears throat> he's gonna, they're going to throw this big party. And so we're going to go down and play. Hell play yeah. with him. We're going to re-record Demolición. And I'll get to see Peru for the first time. Send me a postcard, man. I should. I have one final question for you. Actually, two. We mm-hmm. got a couple minutes. First, how did you land on this like psychedelic, like seventies sound that comes like your vocals when you're singing? Like when I'm talking to you, you don't sound like you're from the seventies. But when you're when you're making music, it sounds like you're kind of from like the seventies. Like where does that come from? I just listen to a lot of soul music mm. that's that's kind of the main genre for me okay. it's gotta have soul Do you like- i listen to everything yeah but i love soul music there's mm. a special place in my heart and and the prime era of soul is just the 60s and the 70s you know hell yeah i like motown a lot i feel like motown motown stacks records all of it like i i obsess over it i i i don't cover the songs live but i learn them and i spend time getting intimate and then that's just translates into how i write music hell yeah so i mean acid tongue is really just me regurgitating soul music <laughs> into like psych pop you know whatever whatever i'm really feeling in the studio that day i don't really come in with like this is the genre of the song i come in with this is the song what can we do to make it sound awesome and it just comes out that way every time yeah. So I'm a sucker for, you know, an era that's... It's weird, though, because I'm kind of creating an era that never existed with the music, too, because there's some modern things to it, always. Mm-hmm. It's just this, like, forgotten, phony era that never mm. really existed. But I like to kind of build this world, you know? Yeah. You could say you're similar to The weekend with his new... 80s modern era yeah 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 no blood orange is like that oh i love you know blood orange is great (sighs) yeah yeah, yeah. totally yeah i think so i think that you know they're doing a similar vibe with that there's just this like man you got to see cobra man cobra man yeah check them out um same thing with that 80s era that never existed yeah i love that fake stranger things era yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) yeah. that's just dope (laughs) so who are let's say five what are the top five bands in seattle you'd say right now or your favorite band i don't even have to be the top my favorite band in seattle right now is rainbow coalition death cult okay do you know them? I've heard of them. I have not listened to their music. Well, they're one of those know, crazy Do names. you know Nicole or her band Black Ends? I've heard of them also. Um, so it's Nicole from Black Ends and then my friend Maya. And they they started a grindcore, like, punk rock. It, it feels like the Dead Kennedys at times, yeah. but it's amazing. And they don't have any social media right now. Oh. They're doing it too much like the old old days on purpose, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it'll, it'll it'll crack. Like I want to put their record out so badly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They need some attention. That's all they need, and it would blow up. There we go. But they're putting out some of the fucking filthiest music in Seattle right now. I've heard the name because it's such a wild name. I haven't listened to them. I, I like the acronym RCDC yeah. they use, which also cracks me up. And I'll see that on the posters, and I just know I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but I also really love Beverly Crusher. I've not heard of them. Uh, it's awesome music. Okay. Rock. Okay. Uh, Monster Watch. Don't know them either. <laughs> uh, not a band, but I'm obsessed with this kid from Spokane, Django. I love Django. You got yeah. him from it. Dude, Django's my guy. Yeah, he's coming back. I put him, I loved him so much at the last fest, I put him on the next one. Oh, shit. Can I? What is that thing that's coming up? The Freak Out Weekender. Dude, can I get like a press pass? I need sure, to, of course. dude, I need to interview Armin Hammer. That's like, I'm like the oh, yeah. biggest fan right now. Yeah, I'm trying to get them to do KXP. Right dude, that would be wild. Yeah, that would be awesome. Dude, they have the Earl sweatshirt co-sign. He doesn't show his face though on, um, so he wants to get his face flared out. Ar- Armin Hammer? Yeah. They're a duo, do you know that? Yeah, yeah. The, one of the guys doesn't like to have his face shown. Really? Um, That's kind of cool, though. You know, you got to have a little... You were just talking about shticks earlier, you know? Yeah, I know. It's cool. MF yeah. Doom did that, too. Oh, yeah. Did you hear about that thing where, like, he, like... He couldn't go to the States for, like, a year or something. It was either... Yeah, he couldn't go to the States for the year, but he had, like, a tour. So instead of refunding everyone, he had someone wear an MF Doom mask mm-hmm. and just, like, lip sync on stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that shit's wild. I love that. Yeah. That's- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the only other act I want to shout out. Oh man, I'm gonna piss off anybody I know in town because I'm forgetting. Yeah, I don't know. There's some good shit happening in town right now. Yeah, there we go. You know, there's, oh, yeah. there's a lot of good Shayna. Yeah, Shayna Shepard. She's doing dope stuff. But see, I can't shout out somebody I just did on a song. You know, <laughs> it's of course I'm shouting her out. She's on my music. You Sh- know, shout out Acid Tongue and their new album <laughs> Arboretum. There we yeah. go. Yeah, you know, like, I, I I, think there's a lot of really inspiring... You know what, like, I love that, like, especially Shannon just kind of, like, took an opportunity during COVID yeah. to create this new thing because she wasn't doing anything solo. She was in barracks before COVID. And then when the riots on Capitol Hill were happening during George Floyd, she was up there playing piano every day. And... You know, we were working in this studio in Soto, and that's that's when the like the seeds of her like solo music was starting to come together. And she still hasn't put out a full length. Yeah, but I I think Shane is going to go on to do brilliant shit. She already is. Yeah, you know. So I think there's some hope right now. That's dope. And it's cool to watch my friends just kind of like push each other to do better and to make better music. And that's that's what the scene's all about, man. Like that's it right there. Is like you gotta inspire each other. Yeah, you've you've created this inspiring community for me, man. Like I'm super excited whenever I see anything going on with Freak Out Fest and what you're doing. And like I'm I'm only I only learned about you a couple months ago, and I'm already like a huge fan of everything you guys have been doing. And thanks, thank you. A, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Of yeah, course, this is great. Yeah. You know, it's a bring some more rock people on, dude. I need to. I I went through a phase where I was doing it for like a month, and then I just. Have you talked to Shani yet, dude? She she hit me up and then ghosted me after she reached out to me. It's very like, rock and roll of her. Yeah, very <laughs> rock and roll. Yeah, but we'll we'll figure it out. I need yeah. to run. But yeah, bring some of the rockers on. You yeah, know? that'll be fun. Help give them a platform. You I'd know? love to. Yeah. Well, man, uh, what's the easiest way for people to reach out to you? I'm at Acid Tongue on Instagram. There we go. And we're on Facebook and all the bullshit. I I don't I'm not allowed to run the Twitter. Uh oh. Ian handles that. You'd send some crazy tweets of it. I used I don't drink anymore. I haven't drank for a long time, but I um yeah, I used to get fucked up and coked out and yeah. tweet weird shit and he'd be like, What the fuck? I deleted that. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know barely barely was able to do the instagram stories he'd lock, <laughs> he'd lock me out of the instagram at night sometimes too oh shit yeah so. well this has been a great time and you got to come back on after you're back from peru and we could talk about your adventures there yeah let's do it there we go all right man. this is the nas podcast with guy keltner thank you very much dude and we did it